everybody, and welcome to episode 144, I think, of the Sunny 16 <laughs> podcast. Don't quote me on that number. Uh, it is a delight to be back again, as you can tell by the fact that it's me gobbing off. No aid this week. He was off in sunny Nice for the weekend. I don't know why that means he can't be here tonight. I think it just means he's had such a lovely time, he doesn't want to ruin it by bringing life back down with a bump and talking to us. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, fortunately, I do have with me tonight the lovely Rachel. Uh, how are you tonight, Rach? Hi, Graham. Um, yeah, today's been an interesting uh, interesting day today. Uh, just before we got on online, before my laptop crashed. So I've just been in the middle of trying to work out how much how much I've lost and how much I've managed to save. And, and it looks like it, I'm it's just one project at the moment that that I'm sort of missing. So, um, thankfully, I ba- I pretty much backed everything up. So, uh, so that's that's good. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit of a stressful day. I've got a um, couple of big deadlines coming up this week, and ah, it's uh, just been one of those. I think combined with uh, being slightly ill as well, it hasn't hasn't really helped us. Um, but you're sounding a little bit less uh, snotty than yesterday, which is I, I'm, good. <laughs> I'm feeling better. And good. I think what helps is having you here because it very much does put me <laughs> in the position of being a thorn between two roses because also <laughs> joining us tonight, um, I'm delighted to have with us the wonderful Lena Bessanova. Lena, welcome to the show. Woo. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank well, you. we finally are here, yeah. all of us. <laughs> all of us exactly a few lumps and bumps to begin with but we got there um thank you so much for joining us tonight you are over in florence i think you're an hour ahead of us there so it's already getting late for you um so we promise we won't keep you too long but uh we, i have wanted to talk to you for an incredibly long time um a lot of our listeners will already be familiar with your work uh, you are um well followed on instagram i think i don't know how many followers you've got but you've got many on there um and so a lot of people will be familiar with you but I'm sure that there are quite a lot of people who have not come across your work yet so we need to rectify that wrong. Um, let's start off with the obvious place. How did you get into photography because it is kind of amazing to me your sort of stratospheric soaring into this medium so what were you doing before photography and then what led you to being in it in such a big way as you are now? Well I was uh, studying public relations and working on the radio, and then I decided that I want to do radio production, and I went to another university in Switzerland to uh, study media communications with uh, an emphasis on radio production, and I just just took as an elective, because it's an American system, I took as an elective accidentally photography, because (laughs) I thought it would be, yeah, (laughs) I thought it would be easy, because I was used to a digital camera, and I didn't even know what a shutter speed is, Um, and the camera was doing everything for me, and I loved it, and I thought it would be an easy class, and then it turned out to be analog photography class, (laughs) (laughs) which was really surprising, I didn't think it existed, and I just processed the first roll of film and fell in love and never took a radio production class, that's the short story. (laughs) (laughs) You Hang on, you never took a radio production class? Never, and that's sad though because I do miss the radio. I don't know. Wow. Radio's losses clearly photography's gain on that front. Um, so where did it go from there then? 
Well, it went to me thinking that I have no future in analog photography, obviously, because <laughs> it's a lot of people have this question even today when analog photography is experiencing what I feel a bit of a rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, back eight years ago, no one was talking about it. No one except maybe people who were shooting analog from before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really find much support in that. I wasn't even looking for that support because I thought I'm the only crazy one. And uh, that's part of the reason I started my Instagram, because I felt like no one cares about analog photography. And uh, whenever I posted something that was not my selfie, it would get no likes at all. Mm-hmm. And I got mad at all of those people. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'll just make a separate account for analog photography, whatever. And no one will like it. And guess what? Now it has like twice as many followers as my normal one, which is very funny. And that's how I found other people who were supporting me along my analog journey. And uh, it was it was still a very difficult decision to commit to analog, to be honest, because I didn't think it would be it would be sustainable. I didn't think it would be possible. I thought it was crazy. And it turned out it was not as crazy. It turned out <laughs> that working, I don't know, in a marketing department of some company would be much crazier. So, okay, so you went through all the thought processes of this is not viable, this is crazy, this is not sustainable, and then you did it anyway. (laughs) Um, Of course. (laughs) Okay. I mean, is this a a fairly typical trajectory? (laughs) Is that kind of standard behavior for you? Do you, you, up until that point, had you become like, well, I'm just going to risk it. Is that a normal approach for you to things? I would say yes, but, but, um, I was risking much less before and for things that I don't think I cared that much about, you know? So if it didn't work out, I'd be like, ah, whatever. It didn't work out. I tried a little bit. I never risked it so much, 100%, that it would be like, okay, I'm going for my master's in photography. You know, it's a big thing. You're like, you're spending a lot of money. You're spending Mm -hmm, two years mm -hmm. of your life and you're expecting yourself to be committed. It's not a BA uh after we or like uh, it's a it's not a bachelor's degree after which you can go whichever way right Mm -hmm. it's already something more adult more committed and uh yeah i was expecting myself to work as a photographer afterwards as an analog photographer that's important yeah yeah to, to go into, I mean, this one, I'm so glad that Rachel's here as well this evening, because mm. as you said, I mean, even now, but especially eight years ago, um, trying to make a career of any sort in the creative world is a difficult thing. Trying to make a career as a photographer or around photography, whether it's digital or analog, is a difficult thing. But especially when you try and narrow it down to a niche, as you both are, um, mm-hmm. did you have quite a clear plan in your mind as to how you were going to go about it or was it a case of okay I'm, I'm going to explore this space and see what grabs me and go from there uh i think i knew what i do not want to do because <laughs> uh, sorry I, i'm just thinking this sounds yeah. like me yeah i love it <laughs> like, you know what you don't want to do that really helps so exactly absolutely of course so 
I didn't know much about the art world, right? Uh, the university I was studying in was purely business oriented. We had this little basement dark room and that was the only creative part of the whole place. Um, but it was an amazing university though. I loved my time there. Uh, and, um, yeah, I didn't know much about the art world, but what I knew, surely knew about it is that it's a bunch of old people <laughs> who are snobbish and who don't really, who look for young talent, but then they don't really care for young talent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who look for money, who look for conceptual art, who look for something maybe more sensational than craft-oriented. At least what, that's what I felt. I don't think, nowadays, I, now I don't think it's the entire truth, but uh, it's a huge, huge system where I have zero connections and I know nothing about. So... What I thought is going hunting down galleries or people who would be interested in my art to present my art to someone else is stupid because I can just go directly to the people who can be interested. And that's where social media helped. That's, yeah. <laughs> and then it just went from there. So it sounds as though that your background in, in PR marketing was at least of some use at this time. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's not something I forced myself to study. No, it, it, it's great stuff that helps you in life a lot, especially counting. Yeah. That was part of my degree. Yeah. <laughs> so the first role of film developed kicked off your yes. passion for analog photography. Um, the the big shift seems to be though when you really got into the darkroom side of it um your passion for darkroom work seems yeah. unending uh i was sort of scrolling <laughs> back through some of your older instagram posts earlier and there was one particular picture um of you wearing what looks very much like a ball gown whilst you're at the developing tank saying i just got off an airplane <laughs> and i'm in the darkroom already yeah. and it's like what what <laughs> any of that what um what what was it? What was your sort of first introduction to darkroom printing and why do you think it had such an impact on you? Um, the introduction was during the same class where I processed my first roll of film, right? We started printing pretty much right away. And uh, the devices with which we were doing that were not, I would say, very much advanced. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't even have a timer. We had to count Mississippi 1, Mississippi 2 <laughs> when exposing. Uh, and we had no easel at all. So I made an easel from a mat board or something. So I just came up with uh, all kind of creative solutions, I would say. Uh, I think I really loved especially the printing part, like taking pictures. I figured out this shutter, shutter speed, uh, aperture, whatever, ISO very quickly. And <clears throat> it, it wasn't interesting to me anymore. And taking pictures, I could take good balanced pictures always. Uh, I mean, my grandma is a photographer, so I think I just inherited that. So taking pictures wasn't really interesting. I just loved making some kind of objects. And since I'm pretty bad at sculpture, I never tried it properly, but it's also doing something with your hands, right? And mm -hmm. painting. I always loved painting, but I don't think I'm that good at it. And here is finally where you do something. It's an object. It's almost like a painting. Uh, but then at least you have the negative, which looks good uh, as your base, unlike the painting where you have to go from your head and then mess up. 
<laughs> so that's like a, uh, yeah, that's that's just right, a happy middle. And uh, it sounds quite like Aid's. Um, uh, so our other co-host, uh, Aid, he uh-huh. he always talks about um, using the camera as the tool to get the creativity from his brain into some physical form, basically. Although he doesn't uh-huh. do darkroom printing and processing, he he was always talking about how um, he's like, well, I can't I can't draw and I can't paint and what have you, but I can see creatively and I I want to be able to make that. So he uses the camera to do that and just the way that you described it then I think was was quite similar um but obviously yeah. you're using really you're using your enlargers and your dark room process um like printing part of that pro- of that process to mm-hmm. really kind of like make the magic with that I was just um had a quick question about when mm-hmm. you came to it about eight years ago as you say I think I was around the same kind of time actually um looking at uh, analog photography and again found like it sounds like to yourself um found it very difficult to um find anybody else sort of doing it at that point uh there didn't seem to be a huge huge uh, sort of like range of of uh, inspirations around there was um the international pinhole photography day and mm-hmm. uh, sorry worldwide pinhole photography day and lomography and those are the kind of the only two places i was really able to find um analog happening was there were there any others that um that i missed at, around the same sort of time or, or you know who who were the, uh, the the maybe the couple that you came across I have absolutely no clue to be honest mm. <laughs> because as i discovered this analog photography and uh, it, it was for one semester that I was taking it mm-hmm. and then okay. the printing part was over for um six years oh wow yeah, for like years yeah I okay. wasn't printing I was only shooting film and processing it mm-hmm. but that's when actually I got into large format mm-hmm. uh but I was scanning the negatives all the right. time so I wasn't printing and uh, it wasn't giving me any satisfaction at all. And that's one of the other reasons I wanted to do my master's in photography, because I always, I just had this feeling that I have to be printing. I uh, just uh, shooting was never enough. And maybe if I was printing this whole time, I had an re- extremely small depart- apartment mm-hmm. and I just could not fit a dark room anyhow. Like the mm-hmm. bathroom was tiny. So maybe if I were printing during those five years, it would be easier for me to decide on the analog journey. But I just decided from literally nothing. From printing for three months at an extremely basic level to starting doing it, I would say, more professionally. Mm-hmm. It's a big jump mm-hmm. with nothing yeah. in between. So that kind of was additional difficulty. But unfortunately, I knew no one, and especially in Switzerland, like there is no arts there. I mean, it is. It's in the German <laughs> There's it's no in a German art part in Switzerland. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, except that art that people buy and then keep as a money investment, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's not what we're talking about. No. But in the French part, it's pretty business oriented, I would say. Um, how about your peers, the other people on the course with you on the on the MA? Uh, did did you find that you had things in common with them, or was it was it solely yourself who was interested in uh, the printing and darkroom side of things? Uh, well, there was another girl who was working exclusively in the darkroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but we had different uh, sleep schedules, so we never overlapped. Which was, <laughs> different which was really sleep fortunate. schedules. <laughs> well, yes, because <laughs> that matters, right? Um, and um, afterwards, something happened. I don't remember something in her family, so she unfortunately had to leave to the U.S. And uh, I was left alone. So you kind of had that space, yeah. space all sort of like on your yes. on your own, really. Brilliant! Wow. Yeah. So as sad as I am for this girl, it helped me a lot <clears throat> because printing when you're alone, it's a completely different process. You go much faster. Uh, you concentrate better, and uh, yeah, that was just huge luck for me, honestly, that I was able to have this dark room all on my own, and I didn't have to worry about anything. Right now, I have my lab. It's a disaster. Like if a pipe <laughs> is leaking, it's my problem. If I have yeah. no chemistry, it's my problem. <laughs> and back then I had no problems. <laughs> you just had time and unlimited resources. And, yeah. you know, it sounds like you made absolutely the most of that uh, opportunity, though, Lena. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, so um, you, so you were saying that you didn't have any space, obviously, in your flat to in your apartment no. to have an enlarger no. and what have you, but looking at uh, where you are now you own your own dark room is that yeah. correct yeah it yes. looks absolutely wonderful yes. as well um just seeing these these images um is it is it definitely a case of like pinch yourself you know like oh I can't believe this is all mine and and I created yeah. this well done I mean you know hats yeah. off to you and and I have to say I I love the little lineup of all the little ducks as well because I did the same thing with mine um and and had them in the little in the uh, wash trays as well so uh, that was really sweet I saw that and thought yep yeah. another woman with the rubber ducks <laughs> <Since you're laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I've never seen rubber ducks in the dark rooms before. I thought, oh, I was, I thought I was so smart. I thought I was so original. <laughs> but there are more of us. That's amazing. That's all right. I think we're still pretty, pretty rare breed. It's okay. <laughs> you, you need to start a special club. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dark room duck club. Yeah. Um, there are some, some of my followers who were like, oh, I bought a duck too, and I bought a duck too. So that's we have a dark room duck club going on. Oh, man. That, awesome. that needs to be an Instagram hashtag, hashtag <laughs> dark room duck club. I think that's fantastic. I thought of making ducks. <laughs> Like with a photo, with my logo, or maybe with a photo, photo camera on them. You know, you can make those ducks. Yeah. Like merchandise. Yeah. That would be great. So, That'd be a license to print money, I suspect. Um, <laughs> let's talk a bit about your work and and your darkroom work in particular. Um, I I love the pictures that you create. Um, I, I find them really interesting because, um, you your work, uh, the stuff that I've seen. You tend, it seems, to be looking for um, dislocated parts of the world. They're just small sections or large sections, but generally not in any context. Um, and it seems that you're, you seem to be drawn to form and light and tone. Um, is this the case? And is this because when you're taking pictures, you're very much thinking about the printing process at the end as to, okay, what 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 is going to create a beautiful print um is you know what is the workflow for you with that stuff mm -hmm. well um <laughs> i would say it's uh both the content and the final print 
I'm thinking of the final print more in terms of when I expose, I always overexpose one stop and I always overdevelop afterwards because I know that I like printing very light. Uh, so that technical part is already goes for the printing. And to be honest, I never know exactly what's going to come out in the darkroom because I might think I want it one way, but then I try several different filters or like vary a bit the time. I do a million test strips all the time because all this pre-visualization, ah, it's too late for me to pronounce such <laughs> words, but uh, it's, it's all great and cool. But when you actually see an actual print, an actual test, it's completely different and it can change your mind. Like I can provisualize whatever I want when I'm shooting, but then mm -hmm. I let some kind of magic, some kind of chance enter in the darkroom phase. When I look at the subjects, though, mm -hmm. I do know it's kind of I do know what I like. I'm looking for things that just speak to me that are a little bit like you. You very like very well observed. They're a bit detached. They're a bit from nowhere. But at the same time, they they have some kind of layers of meaning. Those are not just pretty objects mm. or not just interesting stuff. Like you mm. can put meanings into them always. Like your book um, at home. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I just think that's just beautiful. You can Thank you can really you. see such depth and beauty in all of these very sort of simple sets setups, if you like. And and I don't know if they are any of them. Um, actually, that's that's a question, isn't it? Do did you um, actually set? Did you stage any of that, or or were they very much um, you saw it, you saw the light, and you you made the capture for that, and then it was all about how you printed that in diff various different ways, or did you stage it or set it up, or how how do you approach something like that? I never staged ever. Mm -hmm. There are too many beautiful things in this world mm -hmm. naturally yeah. to stage anything. So maybe like the maximum thing I can be staging if I'm photographing something and there is a piece of trash on the ground, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I will just go and pick it up. Yeah. But that's about it. Oh, I remember once I was taking this shot, but that was not for the book. That was mm -hmm. in large format. It was uh, back in, it was somewhere in, in the Balkans, in East Europe. And I, there was this beautiful sunset over a river and I just put my camera on the tripod and I was waiting for this gorgeous light. And then I realized that it, the, that near the river, there is a bunch of trash. Oh, and no. so I had to climb down there and clean it all up before I took the shot. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> staged. <laughs> Anyone who saw this picture afterwards said, yep, it's staged. <laughs> yeah, but you had a very um, positive impact in in a sense, at least because you know it meant that the river was clear of rubbish. So <laughs> that's good. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how how long did it take you to put together something like at home? Um, was that a very long project, or was that something that you just immediately thought, right, this is my inspiration behind it. I'm going to go out and shoot it. I'm just going to wait until the right light ar arrives at the right time. But these are the spaces or the rooms, at least, that I, I want to shoot in for it. Um, how, how did that whole thing come about? It, uh, uh, okay, I don't shoot a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Because uh, usually when I shoot, I like pretty much 90% of the shots I take of the, <laughs> from one roll. Wow. And there's a lot of printing 90% to do. of the shots. I think I like like 1% of, of all the shots <laughs> I ever took. Oh, wow. 90%. That's an incredible hit rate. But, you know, it sounds yeah. like it's very it's very considered, isn't it, what you're going in to go and shoot. So when you're presumably going in and saying, this is exact, exactly the shot that I'm after, you can visualise it already, and then it's about getting it set up and, and, and actually taking the shot. So if you've got 90% of what you shoot that you like, um, then presumably the volume comes in the amount of printing that you're doing in versions of each of those? Okay. Uh, for example, I already I forgot about that home book entirely because it was uh, how, how long it was, like one and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So, But right now, for instance, I'm working on a much smaller amount of images for the show that I'm having soon. It uh, it has to be 18 images, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm I have maybe three, four rolls of film from which I'm printing. Okay. So yeah, it's and I have a lot of images that I actually like, but they just won't fit in, or uh, they would be maybe too repetitive and it would be too obvious they're coming from one place you know and when when it's a very limited amount of images you can tell mm. they were mostly and they were mostly shot when one i was on a vacation in mexico where mm. i had no work obligations nothing finally i had my camera so i shot three rolls in uh, two weeks <laughs> wow and was that with your large format or was that no, no? no okay. with medium format no okay i love I love the square. I love the square. And I think I just, um, I take the pictures that are more, that have the right balance of spontaneous and uh, thought through with mm-hmm. medium format on a tripod. With large format, it becomes more thought through. Mm-hmm. And with a handheld camera, like 35 mil, it becomes more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And this one is just like the perfect balance. Balance between them. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But large format has, uh, oh, I love large format. I just wish I had more opportunities to shoot it. It's just life comes in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so you think that these are the pictures that you've been working on for a new, um, a new uh, exhibition coming up? Yeah. And how uh, oh, what was it? Uh, uh, what? Sorry. No. So how long did it take you to put together the work for something oh, when oh. you have an exhibition come out? How long will that take you? Okay. Uh, so I knew about this exhibition from last year, right? But I didn't really start putting together until maybe a month ago. And uh, I already had those shots from Mexico, but otherwise it would become like memories from Mexico show. So I didn't want that, definitely. Um, I had some other shots which I just randomly took and I thought, oh, they kind of speak to each other. I like how they look together. And then I was in uh, Switzerland in Geneva this January and I took another one role at a closed entertainment park. It was It's not abandoned. It was just closed. Mm-hmm. It was literally, it, it's the saddest place in the world because, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was gray. Geneva in general is a very gray city, and the sky was gray. Everything was gray. 
the it was uh, barely any light and no lights uh, were working because it was all closed so it was within three stops the whole scene (laughs) but then it's an entertainment park so it looks so sad i loved it (laughs) like your childhood is over no more entertainment (laughs) that's it game over <laughs> I took I love the entire role but again I just took some key pictures because otherwise it would be too obvious it's from the same place and just repetitive. So uh, to put it all together yeah I would say maybe in, in total shooting um, two weeks in Mexico and one day in Geneva and maybe two more days so let's say three weeks of shooting and not non-stop and uh, and then printing Ha. Printing is a lot of time. Printing is a lot of time. So, like today, I woke up and I couldn't stand up. <laughs> I didn't go to the dark room today because I couldn't stand up anymore. Oh no! Uh, yes, you were there. Gosh, because you've been in there for so many hours already. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Last week, ten hours every day. Jeez, Louise. So, how long with with an individual print? How long does yeah. it generally take you to get to a place? I mean, I'm sure there's huge variety. Sometimes you, you know, oh, you get there really yeah. quickly. But what's an average sort of time? And talk us through some of the process because um, I'm a complete newcomer, really, to darkroom stuff. I know Rachel has far more experience mm. than I do, but um, I would, I would love to hear because I know. We talked briefly before the show. Um, I listened to you last year on the Studio C41 podcast, and mm-hmm. I was fascinated mm-hmm. and delighted to hear what an incredibly precise and methodical approach you have to all this stuff. You're like a machine when it's going through this. It's like, nope, there's no room for error. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this and how you go about it. Well, the no room for error was about a commercial project. That's a different story. With a commercial project, I know extremely well what kind uh, what kind of images I want, right? And I know that, and that project is also a little bit uh, of reportage. And with reportage, I feel like the content matters a bit more than the artistic expression. So you cannot overkill yourself about uh, the magic of the print I mean I still absolutely love the prints that I made from this project and they're beautiful but at the same time you can only go you can only force yourself this much you know other it's anyway the content will matter more with the images I'm doing right now where the content is a little vague and not that informational you have to have the added value of the print itself um, so that takes that that takes much more time i can make a decent like not just a decent a really good uh print which will have a great range of tones and it will be you know perfect and uh, i don't know three test trips mm. three four test trips yeah so let's say an hour right yeah. and anyone can do it anyone can do it i've had people come to my workshops who never printed before, who never processed a roll of film before, and they were printing amazing. But by the end of five days, their prints were great. It's not rocket science, it's just you have to train your eye and figure out some basic rules, and you're good. The pain comes when you want to express, when you want to express something that you yourself cannot entirely understand. 
it's just it's a constant relationship with the sprint when it comes out and you're like no i just don't i don't feel it you know i don't feel the magic i don't feel that excited about it like it has to have some uh half a tone different balance between the shadows and the highlights and then it will be it and then you reprint and maybe you make some mistake i'm not as precise as you think and uh, but those mistakes help and afterwards you look with this mistake and think oh wow i never i would have never thought of that like my developer exhausted and it developed to the print i don't know half a stop less and wow it looks beautiful it's so <laughs> soft now i wanted this soft and then you print it soft and then you come next day and you're like nah shadows are way too open i need to bring those guys in what it's kind of um, what kind of filters and things like that do you use in and changing your paper and using yeah. you know uh, that kind of part of the process as well? Um, as you were saying, you know, with the developer getting to the point where it's exhausted and that means that actually <laughs> it gives you the gives you the look that you're after. Um, <laughs> do you use? I mean, sometimes obviously I presume not all the time. Um, but do do you also use quite a variety of papers, a variety of filters, lots of dodging and Learning. Do you, do you use a lot of that as well? Okay, with papers, I do not use a big variety of papers mm-hmm. just because at least something should be predictable in my life. Yeah. One variable, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you take that's the problem with analog photography. You have too many variables, and you have to consciously cut yourself down to at least in some areas. So mm-hmm. I know that I go all over the place with dodging, burning, and combinations of filters. But my film is always consistent, my processing of the film is always the same, and my paper is pretty much always the same. Mm, right. Yeah, so I just know how the Ilford uh, fiber-based paper behaves, I know how it reacts to toning, I know how, how, how much time I need to wash it, you know, everything, so it's, it's at least a smooth process. And it's a good paper too. So, um, well, what do you, cause I think that's really interesting, the fact that we can look at all of your work and go, oh, this is all from one source. So, so what is your, what, what's the film? What camera do you tend to use? What developers are you using? Or what developer singular are you using? What, is your, what are your workhorse um, choices for this? So, um, my films are Ilford Delta 100 for Square, because I'm using a tripod, and uh, I just, I just love Ilford films, honestly. Uh, not the HP5, FP4, not, not those. They have a different grain shape. I just love how Ilford Delta gives some kind of really smooth, beautiful uh, image. Um, and, okay, back in the days I was processing it with whatever. Now, actually, I'm processing it with Tmax developer. Why? Because my other film I'm using is Kodak T-Max 400 and has identical times with Delta 100. So I can process them all together with one developer in one tank. Perfect. Yes, it's it's pretty amazing. And I love the results. And they're both six and a half minutes and I process them seven minutes or something. And I'm <laughs> super happy with how everything come, comes out. You're like, done. Every time the cake looks great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have some predictability. How extensive is your note-taking as you're going through the process of creating these prints? I write on the back of every print, of every test strip. Uh, So afterwards, when I have those billion test strips and I look at them, 
actually now I started doing this thing. I'm doing test trips one day and I'm printing the other day because after looking too much at those tests, I cannot decide anymore which one I like. Hmm. And as I said before, it's not about the quality of the print because they all can have uh, good quality. They have the highlights, they have the shadows, and they have everything in between. Boom. Everything is fine. Anyone would consider it a, be- a good print. But then it becomes a pain. What do I like? So I do tests one day, and then I let them dry and come back the other day and just look at them with fresh eyes. I'm like, ah, this one is beautiful. And it also allows them to dry. So uh, it's, it's, much, uh, it's much better. And uh, notes I'm just writing on the back of every test strip. So that's when I look and I like one of them, I turn it around and it's all written what I was doing. That sounds very important, especially because I know that you do also sell your work. Um, so being able mm-hmm. to, once you found that perfect way of doing it, or the way that you are perfectly happy with, to be able to then reproduce that every single time must be very important. Yeah, you know, that's the thing that uh, even with those notes, you have no guarantee that you'll be able to reproduce it perfectly. You have to have a reference print and sometimes you have to uh, you have to come up with a different way of uh, making the same print because um, maybe I was printing it and the developer was super fresh. Maybe it was already close to being exhausted. Huh. That's, that's a variable, right? I mean, I'm trying to control it. Of course, I always have fresh developer. But sometimes after 10 hours, and maybe it was hot that day, you know, all of those kinds of things, they affect. And then also papers varies from box to box. I did not believe this until I ran into it. Because it's the same kind of paper, but just literally different batch, right? Yes. Yes, and it can vary greatly. It doesn't mean it won't give you good results. It just means you will have to have different combination of filters or different dodging and burning, whatever. So all those notes are helpful to a degree. In the end, I always keep a reference print. Cool. That's really good to know. Um, this darkroom stuff is clearly something that you are very passionate about. Um yeah. Uh, so much so that you are now putting quite a lot of your time and energy into the educational side of things, specifically around um, darkroom and photography as well, but particularly in the darkroom stuff. You've got a lot of great videos on YouTube and you've also started doing uh, workshops and events like that. Um, How important is this side of things both to the business and to you in terms of what you want to do with your career? Because I mean, you're still very early in your photographic or um, analog photography based career uh, is this the direction you see it going more in now uh, well uh next year i don't want to do any workshops <laughs> maybe i will do one weekend workshop but that's it uh just because there is already a wait list for this mm-hmm. one so mm-hmm. i just feel bad not doing it and also it won't be in my dark room so it's kind of just take some pressure off but um uh, I absolutely love workshops. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's the way you connect with people, the way uh, I see them just in five days going from zero to something amazing or from something amazing to super amazing. Or I see Because I have all different levels of people sometimes in one group. And uh, it's really interesting. Also, for me, it's challenging. To so you say, how, be do, able how do you to... manage that? You know, because... Uh, also, um, my background mm-hmm. is obviously education as well, and and yeah. it is it 
can be very difficult that um, managing a group when you've got people at very different levels. Um, do you do you tend to lead quite prescriptively, or do you give them room to move? You know, how how do you tend to approach it? Uh, I come from Russia, right? We don't have democracy, <laughs> so uh, I'm quite uh, non-democratic too. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, yes. Uh, because I feel like if those people came to the workshops because they like of uh, the way I print, I would rather just tell my process and show my process. Mm-hmm. And then they are free to go back and be like, ah, oh, no, that doesn't work for me. That works for me. Well, if I give them freedom, maybe I would give them freedom if I had them for two months. Mm-hmm. But sure. I have them just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. a very different story. When you have them for five days, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to give everything I know and uh, I'm just following everyone and saying, okay, okay, you're doing this wrong. Like this could be done better. Oh, sometimes they give me amazing ideas too, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. It's not one way. I'm yeah. learning so much. I'm learning so much. So I love those workshops. But at the same time, it's a lot of um, organizing it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of work before and even after. Uh because I need to move out stuff from my lab because obviously when I'm working on my own, it's a different setup when I have a bunch of people in there and that takes so much uh, time and energy. And I feel like this time and energy I could be using in a different way uh, to, okay, let's be honest, to earn more money. So that's, (laughs) that's just basically it. Um, but I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love workshops. It's just... Mm-hmm. Uh, I they are a lot more... of work, aren't they? They are a lot. Are. It's not and just the delivery, is it? Yeah. It's not just actually that no. time that you're delivering no. that. It's months no. and months and months of prep in, in, beforehand, you know, that yeah. doesn't get seen or necessarily. Um, so I, I can completely understand why yeah. you might want to, you know, perhaps like have a, a fallow year maybe, <laughs> you know, like you might with a field. It's like maybe not so many this year and then maybe come back to it in the future. If... Um, if your look, your plan is generally to not be doing workshops next year. Um, where is it that you're looking to be um, gaining your work uh, next year? Is that will it be more commercial things? Mm, I'm actually hoping to even have less commercial. Okay. If, uh, <laughs> yes, if I'm lucky. Well, commercial there still is this commercial project that's going on for the entire uh, time of this year, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I'm kind of pretty comfortable about selling my work. I don't even advertise it anyhow. I don't I don't have it on my website if you look it up. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I just have people sometimes who just seen my stories of print and they're like, hey, like I'd like to buy this one. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I just print an extra one because I'm printing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's literally how it works. I don't even have to do anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe I would invest that time that I'm investing now in the prepping of the workshops is to create a proper online store mm-hmm. and uh, to make a better, uh, let's say, business model of selling my prints. Because right now it's obviously all over the place. Like one month, it could it could be more than yeah. it could be less, right? Yeah. But I wanted to be more systematic. And then I have so many ideas for such cool merchandise. I have a bunch of designs uh-huh. because I love drawing in Illustrator on my free time. And uh, I have so many ideas, which I think would be would look so cool. But again, I need time for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Interesting. So quite a different um, uh, path then over the next year from what you have yes. been doing. This is going to and be... main thing, main mm-hmm. thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. main thing uh, that I want to do is I want to make more videos because I'm also thinking what will make a better impact on the analog world as a whole. And I'm always thinking that analog photography is so amazing and I'm doing it and I want more people to enjoy it. I want more people to, to like it. So I feel like videos are the way to reach more people, to get more people into analog. And I have so many messages like every day people tell me, oh, just because of you, I made a little dark room in my, in my bathroom. And uh, now it's a very I'm cool feeling. so happy. Oh, that's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> that's so gratifying. And I want to I wanna help those people more and uh, just share something that would make their life easier. I really want analog photography to be, to be living strong, to be happy, healthy. And I feel like this can be better achieved with videos. Uh, I don't have any revenue from my videos, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, no one's paying me for that or anything. But in the end, I would maybe, I would, not maybe, I hope to make a book. And uh-huh. hopefully that will kind of compensate. Yeah. You always have to think about money, you know, as... Um, yeah. 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 As unartistic as it is. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, as much as, you know, we'd like to be able to do two things for nothing, unfortunately, <laughs> we have the same bills to pay and the same food that we have to buy and yeah. things. So, you know, um, I, I always, I do still find that kind of amazing that people still think, oh, what you mean I have to pay for this service? You know, like it's different from if you get somebody to come and fix your boiler or something, you know? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You still have to do that, unfortunately. Um, So, well, that's that's really cool. And, um, you know, it's it's partly the reason that we you know set up the podcast um or obviously Graham and Aid set up the podcast originally and I just sort of well they dragged me in <laughs> kicking and screaming but um, uh-huh. I'm here now um but again you know it's it's our little way of of hopefully sort of spreading that love and things so um but we just don't come across quite as well on video as you do Lena <laughs> so I'm pleased to know that you're going to be doing that that's awesome yeah, it's it, it brings to mind the thing that you said before, Rachel, about how for people to want to do something or to feel confident to do something, they need to see people that they can relate to doing it. And I think with your videos, Lena, that's what you're doing. You know, you're you're somebody who is not what everybody thinks of as oh well, that's what an oh you know a classic analog photographer is. By which I mean you're not a white <laughs> you're not a white middle aged man out saying this is how you do it. You know. <laughs> You're young, and you're female, and you're you know, you're wearing your rock and roll T-shirts, and until you're appealing directly to um, a, a different audience who are now looking at, oh, is this something I can do too? This, this I I don't have to be a white middle-aged man to do this. Oh, this is fantastic no. news, um, and so I think it's it's really important that there's people like you and like you, Rach, out there mm-hmm. re- representing that not everything is being done by the perceived audience. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about something else which Rachel and other other women we've had on in the past have talked about and that is how um, it can be difficult sometimes because a lot of the uh, phot- photographic industry in general um, and well not particularly the analogue but just in general is made up of older men um, and that it can be difficult to uh, 
be treated with respect and be taken seriously within that. Um, how have you found this experience whilst you've been out there getting your work out there? Because um, I know you said at the beginning of the show, when you started your Instagram feed, any picture that wasn't just selfie, but was of your work or what you were doing was getting far fewer likes. Um, but mm-hmm. now your Instagram feed that is your photography, especially one, is incredibly popular. And it was interesting, again, looking back from the earlier to the later ones, it was clear that there were, there's, there's been a tonal shift of gradually the people who are just kind of commenting on how you look in pictures has gone down. And now all the comments are entirely about the work that you're doing. Um, so how has that journey been in just changing the conversation well, in a few years, hopefully not that few, but I'll finally get old and unattractive, so all the comments will be about my work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have to get ready for that, and I'm getting ready for that now. But ser- seriously, um, I love this industry. I love that it's entire, almost entirely a male one, and the women who are in this industry are also pretty amazing. Um I've never been drawn to female stuff in general, even though I love all this kind of like makeup and nails and I'm a total girl. But um, but I just like the energy that men have in things like uh, not being afraid of doing something. Um, Do you find their approach is very different? Yeah. Yeah, the co- the, yeah, this yeah. confidence is maybe just sort of more inbuilt, yes. um, in, in for want of a better phrase, inbuilt confidence, I suppose, perhaps, you know. Absolutely. And uh, since middle-aged white men were, uh, for a long time, they believed to be the center of the world, uh, it, still, uh, it still transfers to other things. And it's not necessarily bad. Because this confidence, I kind of, I like it. I think it allows you to do more things, to be less afraid, uh, to invent things. So I'm happy that this industry is entirely male, almost. What, in regards to me, yes, I did uh, meet, encounter some, um, uh, I would say, very sexist attitude and when I did not feel comfortable and I felt like it was all about my looks and zero about the work I do. But you know what? I'm a free human. I turn around and I walk away. You know, mm-hmm. I just I just leave those people in their little world and uh, the world is changing. They're still in the 20th century with their heads. It's not my problem, really. The people I work with and I keep having a fruitful work relationship with are absolutely different yeah they're not those people (laughs) no 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 and everyone is so sweet so respectful so nice incredible i absolutely love all the people i meet and everyone takes me seriously and it was always a surprise i was afraid that i wouldn't be taken seriously uh it was my fear really i thought everyone will think i'm just this girl who just talks nonsense but no, apparently people feel when you don't talk nonsense. And uh, yeah, no one is an idiot here. People understand uh, what you're worth if they look at your work and they see you work. And looks, they matter only, what, first five seconds? Yeah, yeah. And as you said, I mean, it's 
actions speak louder than words and anybody who sees you either on your videos doing what you're doing or reads the the posts you're sharing on instagram um it's quite clear that you are a very serious artist doing um <laughs> spectacular stuff with what you're doing um you know and, and that's that's the most important thing you um you got into photography eight years ago when analog photography was kind of at the absolute base of its slump, and mm-hmm. and obviously since then it it has surged. Well, maybe surged is perhaps pushing the word a little bit, but it's <laughs> it's come back and it's growing and it's growing in, in all sorts of different directions. It's become quite diverse over the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. are, are there any aspects of that that maybe weren't around eight years ago or not? Um, prominent uh, that are, are capturing your imagination now are there things that you're now looking to or thinking of that you haven't done in the past to be honest I've always been maybe a little close-minded but I also think that that helped me because it's just I fell in love with black and white analog printing specifically and that was it I was never interested in anything else. I tried uh, shooting color and scanning. I was like, okay, that's pretty. Whatever the portrait film is amazing. Okay, cool. That's it. What's next? Um, I tried all the alternative processes uh, except uh, wet plate. And um, I mean, the results were okay. I just, it was not for me. I just didn't feel the same spark as I have been feeling and still feel with the black and white uh, traditional printing and also I think that yes there are many new inspiring things but if you start jumping from one inspiration to another you never go in depth I still feel there is so much I can learn in just those three trays mm-hmm. and an enlarger it, it's enough for another eight years and I will be extremely happy if uh, I become better than now and I have maybe better skills, techniques just in that without anything else I'll be very happy because then, uh, because what I'm thinking it's not just for my work, my work is my work you might like it, other people might not, whatever it's a very subjective thing uh, what I'm always thinking is what I can give to other people and if you know some subject very well you can simplify it. You can explain it better. Um, I guess I've always been drawn to teaching, really, maybe subconsciously or something, because I just love when people finally understand something. And I feel like there are so many techniques and little things in the darkroom to still to be discovered and to be transferred in a simpler uh, language, simpler way, and to be told to people. It's, it's unlimited. And there are other people who are just much more creative than me and who are just better with experimentation. <laughs> that's, that's it. We're just different stories. It's, it sounds as though your, your creative and experimental energies are, are all pouring out in the darkroom. Uh, I think it's an absence of, I think it's clearly just <laughs> they've been uh, very carefully focused, uh, laser sharp on one aspect. And I think the, I think darkroom work, it, it does seem to be that this is where the next big push of the analog revival, I, I hope, is going to come from. With it being me too. <laughs> well, with it being made more accessible through things like you know, the new Intrepid Enlarger, um, which is coming out now, I guess, in the next month or so, making it uh-huh. far easier for a lot of people to try it at home. And because of the work that people like you are doing, saying, "Look, this is not 
some magical dark art. This is a set of processes that you go through, and if you follow these steps, you'll get a good result. And then yeah. this is how, where you go next to start expressing yourself. Um, I, I think demystifying it, I think, is the trick. Because I mean, like I said, I, I have mucked around briefly uh, with darkroom stuff. And um, and it, it is difficult because it feels like there's so much that I don't understand to begin with. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, so having somebody there is going, no, it's it's not complicated stop being an idiot do it like this um i think is so valuable do you do you think and i mean this is a rather stupid question because i already know the answer do you think that everybody who is shooting film should be printing no 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 i don't think so so you I didn't know the answer great should i should have known better shouldn't i <laughs> No, it's like I don't think anyone should do anything. Everyone should do what they feel like, what they really enjoy. I think everyone should try printing because you never know if you like it until you try it, right? Um, and it's not something like drugs, which you don't do for that reason. But there <laughs> are other kinds of drugs. <laughs> yeah, but it's an extra powerful drug, so... Uh, it might be good for some people just to try it, but I know people who tried the darkroom said, "Okay, cool, yeah, I like those prints, but whatever." And they came back and they went back to scanning their negatives, and they're happy with it. Should I tell them that they should be printing? Of course not. If they value some other part of the process, if they put more emphasis on the shooting part, and they just want the camera for the analog feel of the film or for whatever it is psychologically doing to them, that's great. So uh, there are there are people who do all kinds of things that I find weird, but if they're happy, <laughs> mm, <laughs> I'm not going to convince them otherwise. <laughs> no, that's mm. a very fair point. Our, our co-host Aid um, is uh, adamant that he's never going to develop a role of film. He just 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 has no interest, holds no interest for him at all. And we keep saying, just just once, just try it, but. Um, even that we can't get him there and I think you're right some battles are best you know how you do you know how you do it you get this person and you ask to help you so you don't tell to do himself you just ask to help you and like a little bit a little by little or you're like oh I need help like I need to process those 20 rolls of film like I need an extra pair of hands and be my best friend and uh, <laughs> that's how you involve people appeal to that side of aid hmm i'm not sure that would work either but i i, I appreciate the uh the thought I... <laughs> we can try we? um well lena that's fantastic uh i think we'll start wrapping up now because like i said i know it's late where you are um you've already said that the workshops that uh, are in place for this year are already fully booked aren't they um, okay, so no, with the one that I'm having this weekend is fully booked with a wait list. Uh, then there will be another weekend workshop, but it's more focused on bookmaking than printing. We'll be printing too, but making a book. Uh, it will be in June, and I haven't announced it yet, but I'm pretty sure it will sell out fast because it's a weekend workshop. So, you know, weekend workshops, they, they, they sell literally in, I don't know, under a week for sure because... People can make time. I have two workshops in um, September. They're, those are five days workshops, and those are for people who are actually serious about darkroom printing. Yes. And so the ones in Florence, is that right? Yes, mm -hmm. that's at my lab in Florence. And uh, I think we already have some places uh, sold. Uh, 
<laughs> but again, it's a bit, it's a bigger time commitment and money commitment. So <laughs> obviously it's not like a mm, weekend workshop, but in the past, all of those week, uh, weekend workshops were sold out. So it, it will eventually, it will eventually get to that. Lena, the, um, the five day ones in Florence, yeah. um, are they, I believe they're in, um, like partnership with somebody. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Before uh, the first two, I was doing it's a group of photographers called the Developing Tank, and uh, they were just doing workshops around Europe. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how I just started. And now I'm doing with Photo Classic International. It's this magazine, wonderful, amazing magazine, by the beautiful. way. Beautiful. Uh, mm. Oh yes, yes, I absolutely love it. It's something incredible. And I'm not saying because I'm writing for them or because they're publishing me or anything. It's I truly am just impressed by those guys. So were, I'm doing with them. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say we've got we were talking to uh, Paul uh, from uh, Analog Wonderland because they stock ah. the magazine uh, as well. Yeah. So he was saying how beautiful it is as well, which is lovely. Oh yeah, Paul is awesome. I met him for a coffee like some time ago. I know he sent yeah. me, he sent me a picture. Look who I'm having the coffee selfie. with. I'm like, ah, oh, jog on, God, smug, <laughs> smug. <it." laughs> but uh, yeah, living that analog lifestyle. Very glad to see it. Um, right. We very important. We point people towards your website and especially your YouTube videos because I suspect, I hope that people are going to be really inspired to get out and have a go at darkroom stuff um, from following on from this conversation. So where can people find both of those things? Uh, oh, I'm just, it's it's all over the place. Yeah, I have, uh, on my website there is nothing special. It's just uh, I'm showing only the work that I had exhibitions of because I just couldn't be bothered to scan negatives. I don't like it. And whatever so then i have a little bit about my workshops and that's pretty much about it videos are on youtube the ones that are educational then also i started putting some videos on instagram uh some super short ones literally my printing notes i did it in the last two posts and i feel like people really liked it it's just i'm putting the printing notes and then (laughs) i attached the my the phone i'm filming with my phone to my neck and so my hands are you attach the phone free. to your neck, sorry. Your yes. neck. Okay. Yes. That seems rather extreme, Lena. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, because that way I have a uh, I have free. a good angle. Yes, <laughs> and I have my two hands because I need my both hands for dodging and burning, right? And for hitting the timer and all of that. I hope so you have a small the phone. Tripod, no, it's um it's this iPhone Plus, whatever the last <laughs> one that waits upon. So uh it's really funny. Um, because putting a tripod is, uh, I, I will never put a tripod, but just attaching this phone like this to your neck and it's hanging on my neck. And so I can film whatever I'm doing. I bet it's, it looks very funny, but I feel like this way I can engage people even more and show a little bit more of the techniques that I'm talking about in my video. But Hey, here guys, I'm combining all of them. And that's how I'm working the split filter thing, the dodging and burning thing. That's how it works in real life. So Instagram is always an addition to YouTube. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, and it all seems incredibly useful. Um, and I, as I mentioned on the show yesterday, I'm hoping my darkroom will be up and running soon. And I will be spending yeah. a, a lot of time watching those videos uh, to try and uh, get a grasp on that. Um, 
uh, as I said, Lena Bessanova, just Google that name. It's a very easy to find your work out there. So I uh, just everybody should track it down. It's fantastic. And um, your main account on Instagram is Lena Bessanova Photography, isn't it? Yes, the the failed selfie one. <laughs> Don't follow it. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> um, well, you say that, but I think you're as lovely in front of the camera as behind it, and clearly as comfortable in front of the camera as behind it, Lena. So there's no, no shame oh. in that. <laughs> no, oh. Oh. <laughs> filming every video is a disaster. It's a disaster. Oh, I have to convince myself to film every video. That's why I don't have that many, because every time it's such a pain. That's because you're Literally. a perfectionist. That's why. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for your time tonight, Lena. It has been an absolute delight, and um, it's certainly made me very keen to get out again. And it's just been great listening to you and Rachel, um, two people sort of doing your creative thing out there, uh, exchanging stories and uh, thoughts. It's been wonderful. Um, listeners can find us as always at sunny16podcast.com and uh, on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere at sunny16podcast. Um, uh, anything else needs to remember? I don't often do this. So. Gosh, probably. I know it, we're not usually the ones closing the show. I'm ever so sorry, Lena. It's yeah. been absolutely wonderful to uh, to have a chat with you, and uh, thank you for giving us some insight into the workings of uh, of your awesome uh, printing and dark room and um, general analog photography magic. It's just been wonderful to uh, to have a chance to chat with you. Yeah. Thank been... you so much, guys, for having me. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure meeting both of you. And maybe one day we will uh, meet in real life. Who knows? Analog world is big, but it's small. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. sincerely That'd hope so. I sincerely hope <laughs> and so that well. relates to the listeners as well. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, round to Lena's dark room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you yes, know? I did one is in Florence. I did actually send the link for your workshop to Graham, didn't I, Graham? Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, I was did. like, this, this, Graham, this would be incredible. So, uh, yeah, this was a few, a couple of months ago when I found it. So, uh, yeah, fantastic, you know, love oh, it. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's just great for beginners. But even if you're not a beginner, it's, it's not a problem. It's so... just about meeting people, isn't it? And working with other analog photographers. No, no, no. It's about working on your skills. No fun, just work. <laughs> no, actually, a lot of fun. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, well, you, as you said, no democracy, right? <laughs> no democracy. But then you know how much fun we have in Russia? <laughs> I mean, vodka-based fun mostly, right? I mean, I can certainly get on board with vodka-based fun. I don't drink fun. at all. I don't drink at all. It's an alcohol-free zone, oh, my dark room. <laughs> uh, mine will definitely be too I'm sure um, we will play you out with uh, Rachel's band Rocha as always um, you can find their music on Spotify and iTunes and um, where, and everywhere Amazon. else Amazon in the record all, shop in the record shop uh, on the market down the street all good places listen to the tune the dog's <laughs> having it's definitely that tune and we will be back next week with more of uh, some of this stuff I expect probably uh, until then listeners thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.